We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. weeks ago, a friend and mastermind member posted this on Twitter. He said, in the fall, I decided to join a mastermind group with Jethro. To be honest, I was skeptical of what a mastermind group would benefit me as a leader. Now I can't imagine a week without the support and learning I've gained from the crew. Grateful to be part of the family that forces me to be open and honest about my leadership and receive feedback to grow on. I hear people say all the time that they are skeptical of what a mastermind group can do. I get it. It took me a long time to join a mastermind group for myself. But when you are feeling lonely, like an imposter, or not up to the monumental task of shaping the lives of a thousand young people, it makes a difference being able to join a group of people who know how you feel and know how to help you. So I'd love to have you join us. Go to jethrojones.com mastermind. And let's schedule a time to talk about how the mastermind could help you. That's jethrojones.com slash mastermind. All right, welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have three amazing superintendents on the program today. First, we have Michael, Dr. Michael Lubelfeld. Uh, who's a superintendent at North Shore School District in Highland Park, Illinois. Uh, Dr. Nick Poliak is the superintendent of Layden Community High School. You may remember from going all the way back episode 116 when we talked about the Innovation Incubator with Jason Markey, Anita Huffman, and Megan O'Neill on this podcast. So that was a good one. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. And finally, we have uh, Dr. PJ Capozzi, who was on the podcast just a few weeks ago. And today we are going to talk about 
their new book, which is called The Unfinished Leader. And so we're going to talk about that, which is a school leadership framework for growth and development. So excited to have these guys on the podcast today. And uh, Mike, let's start with you. Uh, The Unfinished Leader, let's talk about that idea of what that means and why y'all wrote the book about this. All right, Jethro, it's great to be here with you. It's really fun to be here with PJ and Nick as well. So the Unfinished Leader uh, School Leadership Framework for Growth and Development really emerged as Nick, PJ, and I were looking at our lives and leadership with the backdrop of the um, transformative pandemic. And I say transformative pandemic because it caused us to and allowed us to transform our views, our lenses, our work, and our practices all, all over the world and with our, our three districts. And it also let the three of us look within each other and within ourselves and realize, you know, we've accomplished this or we've accomplished that, or we've tried this, we've tried that, we've done some cool things, we're really lucky, we're blessed, yet we're still unfinished. We're not done. We haven't arrived Um, We're not all that. We now had a new like massive situation, a seismic situation. We realized, yeah, we can apply management and leadership and we can motivate people and focus on culture and time management and innovation, which, you know, everyone's known for and stuff. But my goodness, we are on an event. We are, we're not on an event. We're on a journey. We're on a process. And really we looked within ourselves. We looked out in the world and we said, this is really neat. We want to put our thoughts together, put our experiences together, and really tell the story of leadership and realize that we never really arrive. We just keep going and keep getting better. Yeah, I find that the the leaders that I talk to who have that mindset are able to go in a in a much further way than they would be able to otherwise, because you recognize that it's not done. And so, uh, PJ, as you think about growing the leaders that you're working with and helping them become the kind of leaders that you want them to be, what are the things that you focus on that are the most important? And Nick and Mike, if you want to jump in after him, that's great too. Yeah, absolutely. So when, when I'm working with my leaders, the, the first thing that I want to make sure that I do is I see them for greater than they currently are and see them for greater than they see themselves. And so if I can imagine a brighter future for them, then the ability that I have to push them to where they need to go, I think just multiplies. And so once I can start to see them for better than they currently are, then I can help them start to see themselves for greater than they currently are, and we can move forward. So what happens typically, particularly I I find in a young school leader's journey or somebody that's an emerging leader that's considering it is that the job is robust. And so there are times where the job kind of does you instead of you doing the job. And so the more that I can continue to point people forward and allow them to see themselves for greater than they currently are, um, then I think the greater the possibility that I have to keep them with kind of a clear North Star as to what their actions are. The second part of it for me is self-awareness. So one of my favorite quotes is, I bring all of me wherever I go. And so as much as we get to kind of peel back the layers of our own brain, our own psyche to who we actually are, then the more that we can chart our path forward. And the more that I am, quite frankly, allowed, I think is the right word, with the people that I support and lead, um, the more that they allow me in with them in the process, then the greater the opportunity I have to help create change for them. Because ultimately, I view myself as a coach more than anything else. And the paradigm that I approach that with is that the answer is always already within the person I'm serving. So it's not my job to kind of dispense advice. Sometimes, I mean, there's a time for that. 
Um, but largely, if I'm going to try to create systematic and lasting and sustained change, it's about finding that within them, helping them kind of chart their own path forward. And for me to have like kind of the privilege of being a small part of their journey. Well, I wish I could be as eloquent and have as good of hair as PJ, but I'll just add one little bit on to what he said. You know, when you think about coaching and leadership development and, and, and all of this work, I think there's a misnomer that's at the heart of what we were trying to get through in this book. And it's often we hear people talk about trying to be the best version of themselves. We are trying to tell people there's no such thing as the best version of yourself. There's only the next version of yourself. And so we're trying to help people understand that, like Mike said, it's this continuous journey of, of always getting better because even the challenges we're trying to meet are changing as we're, as we're trying to meet them. And so we just always have to keep that unfinished mindset to become the next version of ourselves to meet those changing needs. Nick, that was beautiful. What I'm going to do is I'm going to um, share something here. So we're in my actual office here in Holland Park, Illinois, and I've had this image in my office since 1998, the year I became a school administrator. And it's the Chinese symbol for listening. And what's what's significant about this, and why I'm sharing this with you right now, Jethro, is it, it represents the ears, it represents the heart. So really to listen is to listen with your entire body, with your entire embodiment. And, and we call it, you know, empathy listening or empathetic listening. And one of the best advice, you know, piece of advice for an aspiring leader, a new leader, a veteran leader, an old leader, an unfinished leader is really listen to the people you serve, to the people around you, to yourself. Slow down and listen with your entire embodiment of self and have a degree of humility to really hear what's being said or what's being shared. That would be my advice. So as uh, school leaders, we may be struggling with something. We may not be perfect, obviously, but we feel like we need to be. Why do we have that pressure to be perfect all the time as school leaders? Well, I think currently we are under a limelight that we've never really been under before. And so when you're making decisions that impact your greater community, and we're, we're in the social media age, which the three of us love. So in no way are we like, this would be like the last group of people that would ever condemn social media. Um, but it, it is the world that we're living in. When you're a leader or an emerging leader, and you're seeing people just get crushed all the time on, on social media, it doesn't make the job really attractive. And so as you ascend to those roles, because it's your calling, or you, you're driven to lead, or you're driven to do what's best for kids, once you get into the seat, and you know the eyes are on you, there becomes this quest for perfection that is impossible. Um, there are decisions. Uh, Mike and I exchanged a laugh over this over the weekend, sharing text messages about snow day versus remote learning day. Like no matter what we do, it's going to be 55, 45. You're going to be wrong, going to get crushed either way. And so in those moments, I want everyone to love me. Like that's like what I, I say to my staff and my community all the time. Like if I could make decisions that made everyone happy all the time, I would do it. Like I want, like there's no superintendent in the, the world that doesn't want what's best for their kids, best for their teachers, and for everyone to love them and throw roses. The hard part is that that doesn't always happen. Those things don't intersect. And so in that quest for perfection, that's incredibly stressful because when you're being pulled by like truly sometimes your core values, like the pandemic's been a great example of that. Like there's nothing that I want more than to serve our students well in their health and well-being. But I also, I don't know if there's anything I want more than the health and well-being of my staff. And sometimes those two things are in conflict. And that's really, really hard. 
And so in order to try to piece that apart and be all things to all people, of course you're driven to try to emulate perfection. But after you get kind of calloused and scarred enough, then you realize that you can only do what's best given the situation, the context that you have for the people you serve and the best way you know how. And then once you get done doing your best, then just know that that whatever you gave that was your best is probably not going to be your best in six months if you continue to grow and push yourself. And then that's what's incumbent upon you to do. Jethro, I think back to being a classroom teacher. I used to teach high school math. And that very first day I ever taught, I remember the bell ringing and the kids sitting down and me coming in and they all just looked at me. And I had this, oh my gosh, moment of like, uh, I'm in charge of this. (laughs) How did this happen? I'm in 20 something years old. And I was supposed to know all the math and I'm supposed to teach to them in a way that they could understand it. So fast forward to building leadership and district leadership, you become a superintendent someday and all of a sudden everybody looks at you like you're supposed to have all the answers. Just like when I was the math teacher, I have the answers. You know, some of these problems don't have answers. And so that speaks to that feeling we have, like we, we need to do what's right. We need to be the one that has the answers. You know, and Mike brought up the word humility. I think really, really good leaders are humble enough to be able to say, I don't know, help me, or I'm working on finding the answer. And so, I don't know, just bringing it back to the classroom always grounds me in terms of the roles that we're in and how to approach them. You know, uh, Jethro, when we wrote the book, we, you know, a school leadership framework for growth and development, like that was really chosen very deliberately and a lot of back and forth. And it's really about our continuous growth and development. We want to be better. We want to be perfect. Like PJ said, we want to keep going. You know, there's a quote that was shared with me last year during the reopening planning for schooling. And it was, don't let perfect be the enemy of good, meaning get something good, execute it, figure out what was good about it, keep it, figure out what was bad about it, terminate that, make a new better, make it better, good, but it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be excellent. And especially when we're going so fast in the unknown, we reordered the chapters of the book. We reordered the sections of the book. And we had some trusted friends and colleagues who are published authors themselves and speakers and educators read the book and give us really great, awesome, honest feedback. And that helped us go back to the drawing board and add a few components to the book, like a how-to. And we really tightened our message and got really concise. That was all part of the writing of this book was making it better and reiterating it. And the messages that we're just trying to get out there is, yeah, leadership is awesome. And everyone wants us to have the answers or like Nick said, know all the math. The reality is, We know enough math to be here, and we're going to try to facilitate environment with enough humility to know we've got to listen and have the heart to grow and develop, to have a good enough understanding that those of you around us will help make us better. But it's real, and we watch our colleagues sometimes fight with this, and our hope as contributing to the field of leadership is give yourself a little grace and a little break. Don't give yourself a pass, but give yourself a break so you can get back on that journey to get yourself better. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer. 
a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval. One book that says, Stop Talking and Start Doing with Regard to Teacher Well-Being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. Yeah, so I want to explore that a little bit more because how do you know when somebody is not good enough to be a principal versus someone who is just unfinished? So for example, as an assistant principal, I had someone tell me that I was not good enough to become an elementary principal. I needed to go to the middle school and get some experience as an assistant principal there before I could possibly take on the top role of a principal. And honestly, that really hurt. And sure enough, I didn't listen to that person and said, I'm going to go be a middle school principal because that's what I wanted to do. And that's exactly what I did. And I was able to be successful. But in that person's eyes, I was more than unfinished. I was, um, I still had a lot of work to do and I wasn't good enough. So how do you balance someone who's not doing well enough with someone who is just unfinished? And what's the difference there? And how do we know? I could jump in real quick if no one else wants to. So I just use two words. So for me, when I'm looking at somebody that isn't going to be successful, I look at it as they're either insubordinate or incompetent. And so I use those two words intentionally because it, when I use those two words, it becomes incumbent upon me to have invested, right? Like, so I'm not going to know you're insubordinate unless I've directly told you what to do and you refuse to do it. I don't know that you're incompetent unless I've given you every piece of training and support necessary to be successful and you still can't do the work. So what I think happens too often in leadership is that we, we do a little bit or we kind of teach to the middle or whatever it is. And then we make these broad sweeping generalizations, whether somebody has talent, doesn't have talent, has the chops to cut it or not. And the bottom line for me is that it's incumbent upon us to, to support and then to really know. And then sometimes somebody just doesn't have it and that's okay. And then you have that conversation. But the majority of the time, what I found is that people haven't had the training and the support necessary to be successful in whatever that realm looks like. A little play on what PJ is saying, Todd Whitaker, um, I, I've heard him say over the years Someone's either ignorant or insubordinate. Ignorant means they just don't know it. And you got to like exactly what Pete said. You got to give them a shot or insubordinate. They're just refusing. I'll tell you this, though, Jethro. I don't believe someone's not good enough if they're not the right fit at that time and place. I do believe some people have different talents and dispositions that will lead themselves to a greater likelihood of being successful as a principal or as a superintendent or as an ed consultant or something. And I believe in having an integrated multi-tiered system where you not only seek to find their talents based upon continuums, and then you help share with them what their talents are, and then you help put them in situations where you help develop their talents. And like PJ was saying, and what Todd Whitaker said, you also clearly communicate what the expectations are. So I think you've got a whole like 360 degree situation where I don't know if that person was really fair to you and saying you weren't good enough or you couldn't cut it. I don't think that was really completely 360 degrees. I don't think that was giving you a fair shot. Now, unfinished, Nick, PJ, and I believe we're all unfinished. Even the most accomplished, most talented, most successful among us in any of our fields is still unfinished because there's more to do for our children until the opportunity gaps are closed. And until they're closed, as an example, 
we're all going to have to work a lot harder and keep going because we as a collective are unfinished. Nick, what do you think? Marshall Goldsmith wrote the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And a lot of times people think that when you're a teacher, the next step is to be an assistant principal. But it's not, assistant principal is not teacher plus. Principal is not assistant principal plus. Superintendent is not principal plus. They're all different jobs with different skill sets required. And so, you know, it's not until you become a principal that you realize, oh man, I need to learn how to manage this PTA. Or it's not until you become a superintendent that you say, wait a minute, I have to somehow work with seven elected board members that don't have an educational background, or I need a working relationship with the mayor. This wasn't part of anything I did before. And so, you know, it's a different question each step of the way in terms of, are you ready? It's, does your skill set match that next position? Because they're all unique. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, I, I, I had a teacher who was a really good human being but she did not have the temperament or skill set to be in the classroom. And I told her as much. And I said, this is not where you're going to find happiness. You want things to be a certain way. And these little six-year-old kids are never going to give that to you. (laughs) And so if you want things to be a certain way, I don't think that this is the right profession for you. And she, she left education and went on to be successful in the rest of her life, which was fantastic. And, and I really think that as you're having these conversations with people, I like insubordinate or incompetent or ignorant or insubordinate, but I think there's also the piece of this isn't, this isn't your path and you can be great in another path. And, and having the courage to say that directly, I think is important because had that person told me, Jethro, you're never going to be successful in this district because this isn't a good fit, then I would have been, I would have felt much better about that because they would have at least acknowledged and recognized my strengths and abilities. And they wouldn't have just said, you're not good enough, which didn't actually give me any meaningful feedback, didn't help me become better, didn't help me set a course for improvement or anything like that. It just deflated me. It made me feel like I wasn't good enough. And that I don't think that that's where we want to be as leaders. So let's talk a little bit specifically about the framework, because that means that it sets up guideposts and plans for how things should go. Uh, So tell us a little bit about what's in the framework for school leaders. Sure, sure, sure. I'll start it and let these guys um, kind of put the polishing touches on it. So the book is organized in six parts, and each of these parts are elements and components of the framework of leadership, growth, and development. Part one is empathy. Part two is equity. Part three is adapt. Part four is develop. Part five is communicate. And part six is unfinished. Now, we talk about the what, we talk about the why, and then what what we think sets the book apart and the framework apart is that we've got how to. So how do you get into the conversation, for example? How do you lead with Maslow before Bloom, for example? How do you partner with others? How do you demonstrate self-care and work-life integration? How do you tell your story? And how do you stop letting others limit you as examples of chapter titles that are all part of the framework? A really special part is we asked a number of really well-respected leaders from around the United States to share with us right there, freeze frame in time, 
their thoughts about leadership, schooling and everything under the backdrop of the pandemic. Um, because even though this isn't about the pandemic, we really wanted to acknowledge and um, memorialize and document the fact that we were leading through a pandemic and talking about being unfinished leaders under this backdrop. And we're grateful to um, Rose, Rosie Zaya, Courtney, Courtney Rizell, Christine Gilmore, Susan Enfield, uh, Joe Sanfilippo, Brad Black, Jeff Zoll, Julie Adams, Larry Ferlazzo, Adam Welcome, and Brian Kreisman for giving of themselves and giving leadership. Gents, uh, what else can we talk about with the framework? I think you hit the highlights, Mike. I think just within the chapter, trying to make it useful and digestible to people with uh, some reflective questions, just so when you're done reading a chapter, for to be able to spend a few minutes and, uh, and journal or process through those questions or to do it as a book study. But we've found things that we've read in the past are more useful to us when there's a, an opportunity for that, uh, either during or after the fact. The last thing that I'll just add is that it's not a comprehensive, you must do all of these things to be successful. This is supposed to be a benchmarking and a guidepost that at any point when you're struggling with a point A or a point B, you can pick up and, and go to chapter three or whatever the section happens to be um, to get some guidance and to have us as you know, somewhat a virtual sounding board to process through um, whatever you're going through with. Of course, you can read it cover to cover. We want you to share it with your friends. But if you, uh, after you do that, you can pick it up at any point in, at any given chapter. And I think that you'll find that there's value add. Yeah, I think that's really good. And I've found some of the most effective ways that I've used books like this is when I'm struggling with a specific question to go read uh, part of the book about that so that I can get that support and growth right as I need it. So that if I'm trying to think about, you know, what do I do about equity in my school right now? I can go to that chapter and, and get that information. And that's been uh, invaluable to me as a, as a school leader. In closing, well, first of all, where do people go to get your book? Let's make sure we get that out of there. And then I'll ask my last question. So uh, the book will be available in May everywhere books are sold, Amazon.com. Roman and Littlefield is our publisher. The book can be pre-ordered through the Roman and Littlefield website or the Amazon.com website. And we encourage pre-orders, so it definitely arrives as soon as it's released. Yes, that is a good idea. All right, so my final question is, out of, we've talked about a lot of stuff. There are a lot of things that we need to do. What is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal? Huh, such a great question. Make sure you're finding out what your students are thinking about the settings and surroundings they're in and make sure that their voice is being heard. Ask the same of your teachers and support staff so their voice is being heard and get some perspectives from your parents and families. Then you take that triangulation of information and transform your setting. Don't take yourself too seriously. You know, this is, this is all about the kids. And we are all in these jobs temporarily. Somebody else will be in them after we are. So make the place better than you did. But don't take yourself too seriously. Make the people around you better. Support the teachers because they're the ones with the kids every single day. Remove the barriers you can for them. That should be part of the role of the school leader. And the last thing that I'll add is take some time to look inward. So, again, I don't think that there's anything that we can invest in that's more important than investing in understanding ourselves. So figure out what you're doing for self-awareness. And if when you think about self-awareness, um, you think about, well, I do a lot of reflection. Just consider what reflection looks like now compared to your first year as an educator. 
And the reason I use that example is because reflection is a vital tool, but it's limited because we only have the tools accessible to us. So what else are you doing to get to know yourself? Are you reading? Are you, do you have a coach? Do you have a mentor? Continue to get a little bit deeper with that. And the last thing I'll add with that is that people are really bad at self-care. And I know it's really trendy to say, take care of yourself on social media. Most people are just truly bad at it, even if they intend to. So like self-care isn't a bottle of bourbon. And I love bourbon a lot, but it's not, that's not self-care. Self, self-care is a different thing. So be thoughtful in your approach to take care of yourself um, and get to know yourself so you can take care of others in your, in your charge. Yeah, I think those are all great suggestions. I appreciate you uh, saying that. And, you know, one of the places where people can go for a mentor um, is to me, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably like the things that I'm talking about. I'd love to work with you in that. So jethrojones.com slash mastermind to get more info about working with me on having a, a coach and a mentor and a group of people that you can go to for additional support. Uh, once again, I want to thank PJ Capozzi. Uh, on Twitter, he's at MCUSD Soup, S U P E. Uh, Nick Poliak is on Twitter at N P O L Y A K. And Mike Lubelfeld is at Mike Lubelfeld. So thank you again, all three of you, for being part of Transformative Principle today. It's been great talking to you. Hey, middle school principals, what if I told you that all your teachers had to do to teach your students really valuable social and emotional competencies was just press? play. In Control SEL is a fully automated video curriculum that teachers and students absolutely love. And that's because it's easy. And it looks just like a Netflix or a YouTube show. So all you have to do to hear about how it can completely transform your school is schedule your call. Tell us Jethro sent you and you'll get 20% off if you feel like it's a good fit. So go now to www.incontrolsel.com slash strategy call to schedule your call today. The link will be in the show notes. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.